This episode of Under the Yellow Tape is brought to you by Sheepdog Java Coffee Company. The Sheepdog, the Sentinel, protecting the flock while it sleeps, keeping the wolves at bay. The Sheepdogs in everyday life are your first responders. On the job 24-7, keeping watch while your family lives the American dream. The men and women of our armed forces, our nurses and firefighters, our paramedics, laboratory scientists, and of course, our police officers. These professionals work tirelessly day in and day out to keep your world safe, healthy, and whole. It's really not a job, it's a calling. Now we are honored to serve them. Introducing Sheepdog Java. We're more than just a coffee company. Sheepdog Java will reinvest in your first responders, helping fund and create training courses so they can operate at the highest level in order to keep you, your family, and your community safe. So join the pack. Try Sheepdog Java today in support of your first responders and enjoy each cup with peace of mind. For more information, check us out at sheepdogjava.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Under the Yellow Tape. I'm your host, Howie Ryan. We've been we've been off for a little bit. We've been doing some other things. Like I always say, we got to get back to work and get back to life. But um, we wanted to jump in and we wanted to uh, try to get caught up on a few things that are going on in our world here, our crazy world. One of them, which happened a little while back, actually earlier in the year, but it's still ongoing, is the arrest in the imprisonment of an American citizen in the country of Russia. Her name is Brittany Griner, and she is an American athlete. And the fact that she's an athlete is important because she is in Russia, or she was in Russia originally, to play basketball. She is a WNBA player here in the United States. And she was over there in the WNBA offseason playing, uh, playing basketball over there. And we'll get into uh, a little of her story. And I think it's – sometimes when I do these, it's because if you watch the story on American media, you get half a story. Or you get a select portion of the story. In other words, whatever story fits the United States media's, you know, outlet, whatever their preferred, their preferred, um, political, you know, game is, that's kind of what they do. And I find it sometimes, uh, disheartening to say the least when you get into the coverage of American media, because you know, it's their job to tell us a story, tell us what's going on. And then you, you know, you get into these things and, uh, you get half a story and everybody runs around getting angry all the time. And it's a shame because it doesn't really have to be that way. And quite honestly, it should not be that way. Um, it's just a little bit of a, of a nightmare. And what we need to do is, is kind of talk about the cases as a whole and in, in their entirety. So really, so people get a better knowledge of what it is. Now she's over there um, and she has been found guilty. I'll get into this here and I'll try to breeze through what it is, who she is for those of you that don't know. And I say those of you that don't know, most of you, if you've ever heard her name, an overwhelming majority of you, if you have heard her name, it's because she's been arrested in Russia. 
most of you never heard of her before. And there is a, a, uh, a group of people in this country, you know, sports fans and whatnot, that they, they, this, she's a member of the WNBA. This is a women's basketball association, professional basketball players. And, um, most of us have never heard of them. Some of you out there listening to this may not even know there is such a thing as a women's professional basketball association. It's not very popular. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just shred it, but they get about, I think in the research we did, they get about 3,500 to about 5,500 people at a game. Um, and you might say to yourself, wow, you know, if they're in an arena, how do they even pay the, keep the lights on? Well, it is com- virtually completely subsidized by the NBA. So that's how they keep it alive. But the reason I bring that up is there are people out there right now that are talking about her and they're saying, you know, Brittany's a hero. Um, we need to get her home. You know, she's a hero. And I don't really know why they're referring to her as a hero, but I will say this. It's probably one of the most overused words in current American society. So-and-so is a hero. This person's a hero. This person's a hero. Sometimes they're a hero because of their political belief, they think, or because they're an athlete, um, or they are a hero because uh, they leave some sort of lifestyle that they people say has been very brave that they came out and they are admitting what they are or who they are or what they believe or what they feel or what they think they are. And because of that, it's heroic. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, well, you know, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. They do. But the word hero is a pretty powerful word and it should be reserved for the people that actually do heroic things. So I'm going to give you my opinion on one thing. There is no athlete in any sport anywhere in the whole world that's a hero. They're just not heroes, folks. They might be role models. They might be people that you're enamored with and you're interested in and you're a fan. But they're not heroes. They're not even close. Okay. We have a lot of people that have died serving this country, protecting freedoms. They're heroes. This is not a hero. So when these people say, we got to bring Brittany home, she's a hero. That's, they're full of shit. She's not a hero. She's a basketball player and good for her. And she's a very, very good one, by the way. I mean, she's six foot nine. She comes out of Texas, out of the Houston, uh, Metro Houston area, out of Texas. You know, she uh, went to Baylor University, set all sorts of records, was an Olympic athlete. She was drafted into the WNBA as the first selection of, uh, of, um, uh, of whatever year she, it was she was, she, she was drafted. I mean, you know, you're the first one. You're, you're, you're pretty much a stud in your, in your respective field. And she currently, well, currently she's sitting in a jail cell, but she technically is a member of the Phoenix Mercury. And uh, that is a WNBA team. Now, what happened to her? Well, like I said, she was over there playing basketball in the offseason. Now, they do this to offset some of their money. Um, they make about 200 some thousand dollars playing, which is a nice chunk of change. I wouldn't mind it. Most people wouldn't mind it. Um, and I'm sure they don't mind it, but you know, they go over there into Europe and, and we're going to talk about her playing in, in other countries because they get paid a lot of money in a short period of time to come over. These are American basketball players and people over there want to see them. And these European and Asian basketball 
leagues will pay big top dollar for a few months of them coming over here in their off season to play. And that's what she was doing. So what ended up happening is in February of this year, 2022, she was, Brittany Griner was detained um, at a customs checkpoint. Uh, and in her luggage, she was found to be in possession of uh, vaping pens. And in the cartridges, within the cartridges of those vaping pens was what is called hashish oil, cannabinoid, cannabis. Um, now, some people here roll their eyes and go, oh, come on. I mean, it's, it's like legal. You know, what's the big deal? This is bullshit. Well, there's a couple of things. One, it is kind of bullshit. Let's face it. It's a, it's a minor thing. It's not like she was carrying a, a hay bale size bag of weed to, to sell it to the Russian children. She had some hash oil in her vape pens. But on the other hand, it's not bullshit because here's the deal. And everybody has to remember this. It's Russia. It's illegal. No if, ands, or buts. It's just not permitted. The other thing that the entitled elitist American asshole people have to understand sometimes, and that's not everybody, it's a select group, but they have to understand is that these other countries don't give a shit what we think. They don't care how we operate when it comes to this. Their rules are their rules. And if you're going to go there, for whatever reason, business and pleasure, vacation, whatever it may be, you got to behave by their rules. Okay. Well, she didn't. Some people said, well, it was a, you know, it was an honest mistake. Well, that may be, but see, they don't have that empathy. They don't have that, oh, shucks. It was just a screw up, you know, poor Brittany brought her dope with her and well, let's just give her a basketball and she can entertain us and then we'll send her home. No, nope, they don't. They hold on to you. They actually don't mess around. Whether we agree with it or not doesn't really matter. It's what their rules are. And that's all that matters. And it's on their field, on their home turf. So in 2022, she gets stopped at the airport uh, outside of Moscow. And she is arrested. There's a couple things that happen here. Um, it, it immediately became a big press issue. And um, she was later tried charged. She was charged and she was charged and tried and then she pled and she was sentenced to nine years in prison. And her trial began on July 1st of this year when she pled guilty to the charges. Now she was probably advised to do that saying, look, you're going to piss the Russians off even more if you, if you continue to just fight this. So just play, throw yourself on the mercy of court and they'll probably let you go home. Well, she's still there. So who is she? Well, she was a kid born outside of Houston. She comes from, by all means, on all accounts that we look in our research, is a pretty decent family. Her dad's a Vietnam veteran and a former Harris County Sheriff's officer. So it's not like Brittany was a hood rat that was raised by assholes. She's a stud athlete, went to a good high school, um, lettered in multiple sports, got a full ride to Baylor University, right? Set all sorts of records there. And um, she was an All-American. Her college career was exceptional. She did very, very well. And she, again, but as I said earlier, she was drafted as the first overall pick by the Phoenix Mercury uh, in 2013, which is a big deal, right? I mean, it's press, pro, your basketball is going to be your profession. This is, a, this is a big deal. And she's done very well there. Very well. 
Now, I'm not going to go into her records and her accomplishments in American basketball in depth because it, it, they're all they're exceptional. She's an exceptional basketball player. She's a six foot nine woman. Um, she, you know, she she takes over the court. Let's talk a little bit about her overseas stuff, though. And I want to say this because you say, well, it's a simple mistake. You know, she it was an oversight. It was a slip up. How would she know? How would she know? Well, I'm not defending the Russians. Don't get me wrong here. But, you know, we got to call it like it is. This was a mistake that she's going to pay for. And it was a mistake she actually made. This is not a misunderstanding. So in their offseason, many WNBA players go overseas because they get money, like I said earlier. Let's just look back at her. So back in 13, remember, 13, she was drafted. In the 13-14 offseason, she played for China, or in China, for the Zhejiang Golden Bulls of the WCBA. She signed a four-month contract for 600 grand. That's way more, uh, as a matter of fact, it was 12 times the amount she made in her rookie season here in America. Now it's 13-14. 14-15 and 15-16 those years, off-season, she played in Russia for UMMC Ekaterinburg with other players from the WNBA. In August of 16, she re-signed again with Ekaterinburg um, for the 16-17 season and again 17-18. You might be thinking, all right, so big shit, why are we, why are we even talking about this? What, what does it matter? Well, it matters a lot because what it really tells us is she knows Russia. It's 2022. She's been doing this since 2013. It's almost 10 years between China and Russia. She's been playing overseas in the off season. She knows the rules. She's also played for the United States national team as a part of its year and, and did a European tour as a college player. So she's been all over. This is not like this girl just came out of, you know, um, some Huckleberry town and, and it was the first time, you know, starstruck overseas. She's been there for a long time. My point is simple. Folks, you're going to Russia. We, we all have this uh, idea of what Russia's about. Some of us have never been there. So we really only hear about what we see or have learned or have been told. But it's an oppressive place. History has shown what it is. We'll get into their government and, and the way that's made up in a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those places where they don't really coddle criminals unless you're a criminal for the government and their government is riddled with organized crime. So if you're on the inside team and you're connected, well, you can pretty much do whatever you want. But if you're not, you're not. And then think about this. They are a dictator, pretty much. They're, they're, and it's called the Russian Federation, I'll get into. But, you know, th- they love to... Uh, poked a bear, so to speak. If they can get an American athlete, I mean, it's not LeBron James or anything, but it, it's an American athlete. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tug at the heartstrings of Americans and they're going to look at her as bait, trade bait maybe, which will, I think we're going to point out pretty, pretty in depth. But she had been there multiple times, multiple, over years in China. And you know that the WNBA probably has a group of folks that assist in, in our players going over there and coming back. It's not like these people make their own playing reservations and do this and that, even though she was, she's, she's a basketball player in a league. Nobody gives a shit about here. It's still, you know, they're still part of a team and an organization and, and they protect their players. 
So, and she probably also has to get permission from the Phoenix Mercury to play overseas because she's contracted. So they probably have uh, travel people and everything involved. And she's been told. So not only does she know it, I guarantee she's been told, look, they have rules over there. Don't, you know, don't mess around. So what does she do? She brings her dope with her, her little vape pens with her, with her hashish oil. But it's kind of, you know, it's kind of funny because Americans are just like, yeah, fuck it, man. Whatever. Yeah, it's cool. It's what we do here. You know, I live in Phoenix, man. It's all good. Yeah, it's not good in Moscow, though. And they said, well, um, it, you know, it's kind of a bullshit arrest. Well, it's a bullshit arrest maybe in the sense that it's not that big of a crime or we don't think it is. However, they did it really the same way we do. They had a drug dog going down the line. And and there's photos of of the drug dog actually sniffing her luggage and alerting to the luggage, which prompted the, the search, the actual physical search of the luggage where they found it. So to say, well, you know, they did this. Well, they did exactly what we do. They used a dog. And they used a dog because the dogs work. And uh, it started right there, right in February. This has been a long road for her and and, and probably not a very, a very uh, pleasant one. Now, her personal life. Let's talk a little bit about her personal life. Now, not that this should matter, but it does in this particular case. So Brittany is uh, part of the LGBTQ community. She's, she is married to her partner, um, which we'll get into. And the fact that she is gay should not matter, but in Russia it does because it's banned. You could call that as crazy and, and, and oppressive as you want and you'd be right. But the fact is that's life there. They don't look fondly upon openly gay folks and you're in a place, you know, like, you know, like the old saying from the Wizard of Oz, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You're not. You're in a Russian prison and you're a six foot nine gay woman and they know it. So I don't know. The, the best thing that can happen for her right now is she's getting a lot of attention because that, beca- that makes it a little bit more in the public spotlight and a little bit more government intervention is, is a possibility. So... That's a little bit of her personal life. Now, um, the the other reason you may have heard of her is here in the United States. She's one of these um, athletes that has followed in the footsteps of other athletes before her. And one of the things that I think she adopted and probably seen from other athletes is um, is activism. I'm going to use my celebrity status. Uh, in the in the 3,500 fan arena to be an activist. And her choice is um, bullying, which I, is a very noble thing, and the LGBTQ plus whatever it's called now community, right? And cause she, which she's a member of, which, you know, she's standing up for all that. But you got to be careful when you do that. Y- you can have those convictions, you can have those beliefs, and you can speak openly. But you're going to go places and do things, and you got to understand that sometimes you're putting yourself in a um, in a tough spot, and now you're in a jail cell in a country where they don't look favorably upon that. But what she did here was um, she got into a little bit more of the social activist uh, racial component. So in 2020, 
um, Brittany Griner, along with one of her teammates, Brianna Turner, called for the NBA to stop playing the United States national anthem before their basketball games. She made her remarks about this very clear. Um, and the, she kind of came out and said it after her team refused to take the floor, come out on the floor during a preseason game uh, in Florida. She said she was protesting the killing of Brianna Taylor. All right. We've talked about Brianna Taylor on previous episodes and also as a part of the wider George Floyd protests. So again, another athlete who's never had another job in her life or her only life experiences on a basketball court um, is going to be a social warrior. People say, oh, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, it's so good that they do that. Well, it's good if they're right. It's good if they, you know, they're, they're, they have something to stand on. But when you break some of these cases down, they're doing it because it's a racial thing. That's all. She actually said um, during a, a media event one time, she says, I honestly feel we should not play the national anthem during our season at all. I think we should take that much of a stand. She said she doesn't believe that they should play the national anthem at any sporting events because of the oppression. Well, she's getting a big old teaspoonful of oppression right now. She's tasting it in the real world. She's realizing that we are not that oppressed here. Maybe I don't want to speak for her and I do feel sorry for her because it is kind of a bullshit thing, but she's, she put herself in this position. Nobody else did it. She can't blame anybody. Um, you can't blame the Russians either. And I hate to say that because you want to, but you can't. Her personal life is a bit of a shit show too. August of 14, she gets engaged to another WNBA player, a girl named Glory Johnson. Um, that was in, uh, 2014 in the summer. The, fo the following spring, they both get locked up. Uh, an assault and disorderly contact from a domestic violence incident where they beat the ever-living shit out of one another. The, they both <laughs> I think the police kind of said, we couldn't get them apart. Um, I guess they were beating the ass off one another. And um, but, but despite that incident, they married the following month in May of 15 in Phoenix. That was on the 8th. On the 15th, they were both suspended for their fistfight and their arrest. And uh, Griner went through a domestic violence counseling program and she got back on track. On June 4th, right? That's well, not even a month later. They made the announcement that uh, Johnson was pregnant with twins. And they went through in vitro and they, they were going to have a family. They were going to start a family. But the following day, and... After less than a month of their marriage, Brittany Griner just filed for an annulment, divorce and annulment, which was denied. The other girl, Johnson, gave birth to twins. And um, Griner is now ordered to pay child support to her for that. And then they ended up finally getting divorced. So she had a, she had a little tough road there personally. And, you know, it, it, which happens to a lot of people. You know, I'm not singling her out. It happens to a lot of people in the general public. But when you are an athlete, even in a league like this that nobody watches, they'll, they'll still put it on the news. I mean, you still are a person of interest and you'll, and you, you know, on a slow news day, you'll be it. Um, and uh, in 2018, she actually engaged, uh, got engaged to Sherelle Watson and they got married a year later. In, um, and that is now uh, Brittany's partner, wife, uh, Sherelle. She changed her name to Cheryl Griner too. And her, her wife, Sherelle, I believe she's an attorney and she's been pretty vocal 
about, you know, Brittany's arrest and her being held in a Russian prison and her conviction or her plea to the charges. Um, this was at the, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this, but the Sheremen Tievo International Airport. And it's outside of Moscow. She was flying in from New York, uh, making her way to, uh, to where she was going to play. And there was a stop at this airport. And that's where this, these uh, vaping cartridges were found. They had, you know, they, they gave the old line, well, these are prescribed medicinal cannabis. Okay, well, that's, that's listen, that same bullshit was, before it was all legalized here in some states, that's the same bullshit we did here. Oh, well, it's medical. And, and in a lot of cases it was, but let's be honest, folks. The early phases of the medical card was bullshit. And doctors were handing them out like chiclets. So... But that's always the first thing they say. That's what people here say before it was you know, legalized in some areas. Um, US, the U.S. officials got involved, you know, and some uh, uh, political people got involved and made some, you know, comments. One lady called her a high-profile hostage. And first of all, it's not that high-profile, but she, yeah – and sometimes the experts say, stop saying things like that. You know, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee is another, she's a Democrat from Texas and the Houston area. And she's, she, she made some comments, but some of the experts that deal with these things, when you get involved on a diplomatic level, they tell you, don't, don't say that stuff. Don't start slamming on Russia because you're just going to piss them off. And they don't care. They don't really have rules. They make them up as they go. They talk about having a constitution and everything and laws, but they, they just, they just change shit around like the weather. So they try to tell these people, look, man, don't fire them up because they're just going to make it more difficult. And the more you make a stink and the more the American media uh, follows this and gives it airtime, the more valuable of a commodity she is for a trade. She's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to shit on this girl, but in the grand scheme of things, she's a nobody. She plays in a women's basketball league. I wouldn't care if it's the NBA, men's basketball league. It, it bear, she's an entertainer. She's a court jester. She, on a diplomatic scale, other than being an American, which is huge to me, there is no trade value. She's not holding any state secrets. She's not an employee of the government. She doesn't know anything. She's an entertainer for us and for them. So the more they fire this up in the media and the more people get involved, the more valuable they think she becomes. Um, and here's what I mean. In May of this year, the U.S. State Department stated they had determined that Griner was being wrongfully detained. <sighs> Man, listen to this. The State Department stated that they had determined. Well, my question is, this, first of all, how? How'd you determine that? Because you don't like it? What did you determine? She got locked up with dope in a country where it's illegal. How is that wrongful? How? And they said they're going to take a more aggressive approach. Oh, that'll piss the Russians off. Do that. The price just went up. It's like, it is like holding a hostage. You keep, you keep, you know, grinding it. And they're just going to uh, up the price. And that is um, pretty, um, you know, pr pretty substantial in, in what comes next. Because now they want to do a prisoner swap. The Americans say, we want to swap her. 
Well, you go to the Russians and you say, hey, um, look, you're holding this uh, really high-profile American athlete. The 3,500 people at the Phoenix Arena are going to be pissed that she's not there. So, you know, we're sorry she carried dope into your country. We're sorry that she actually did break the law. But can we have her back? When you ask a government like Russia that, what do you think they say? They go, yeah, yeah, we'll talk to you. But we want something in return. Right? So on May 15th, it was reported that the United States and Russia would consider a prisoner swap. And this is where things take a turn. Russia would exchange Griner, like I said, a virtual nobody, for international illegal arms dealer Victor Bout, a WNBA player with dope for an international arms dealer who had served 10 of a 25-year federal prison sentence in the United States for arming terrorists. And the president of the United States, apparently, according to some news media outlets here, was amenable to this. He said it might be a bad, not be a bad idea. I don't know that that's a good trade. But you, you think about it at face value and you say, well, that's, I don't know that we should give, get her back, for, give this guy up. I mean, this guy is a, is a killer, right? He's a bad man. So then U.S. counters, right? It's like a, it's like a card game or a negotiation on July of this year approved a possible trade for Griner and, you know, releasing Victor Bout for, for Brittany Griner and a gentleman by the name of Paul Whelan, Whelan. He was arrested in 2018 in Moscow for espionage and sentenced to 16 years in prison. So now they're, we're, we're making our counteroffer. All right. Griner. Okay. Whatever. Victor Bout. No, I want this guy, Paul Whelan back. What happens next in any negotiation? Another counteroffer. Now, that possibility of that exchange, it got a little crazy. The Russians demanded another person, a convicted assassin, Vadim Krasikov. He is serving a life term for an assassination of a Chechen leader in Germany. We went, think about this. We go from an idiot basketball player gets pinched at an airport checkpoint with a little bit of dope in her vape pen. You blink your eyes twice and we're talking about returning murdering terrorists for her. Now, there are many Americans that would say, well, no, she's, she needs to come home. You're right. She does. But at what cost? At what cost? Well, her NBA career won't. It, it'll be ruined. Fuck her NBA career. I'm sorry. That's not what this is about. They sweeten the pot with Paul Whelan. And the media gives you like a cliff note version of a former Marine. A former Marine being held on an espionage charge. <laughs> Most of you are probably thinking, well, who the hell is he? I mean, we know her. She's a basketball player. But who's this guy, Paul Whelan? Let's talk about him for a minute. And, and you can see where this thing starts to spin and get really, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a movie. This is going to be a movie. It should be a movie. So Paul Whelan, the interesting thing about him, he was a former Marine. He was a former service Marine, as they call him, right? He actually might be an ex-Marine. And there's a term, there's a difference in those terms. The interesting thing I found about him is he holds citizenship in Canada, 
the United States, the UK, and Ireland. How many of you have citizenship in four countries? How many of you have it in two? Maybe some of you do. Four. You know, if I'm just sitting here sipping a cup of coffee or drinking a beer and somebody says, yeah, yeah, this is Joey over here. Paul, or Paul, this is Paul. He's He's got citizenship in four countries. I take a sip. I look up and I go, wow. Why? It's just a question. Why? It's a logical question. Why? Why would you have citizenship in four countries? Who does that? His brother later says, that's probably his interest in genealogy. Yeah, I don't believe that. Okay, I call bullshit. Here's the thing. To get that, it's not easy. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of bullshit. And it's a lot of everything else. What are you doing? Why do you have citizenship in four countries? Who are you working for? Now, he was accused of spying. After he was out of the Marines, and the reason he was out is he received a bad conduct discharge from the United States Marine Corps. Bad conduct. He was basically booted. Okay. He gave on a, on a, uh, resumes and whatnot and some interviews. He says, I was a police officer in Michigan. Well, he was born in Ottawa, right? He was a Canadian and grew up in the Ann Arbor area. In 2013, he said he was in law enforcement from 88, 1988 to 2000 as a police officer in Chelsea, Michigan, and a sheriff's deputy in Washtenaw County. Well, the Chelsea police said he worked in a lesser role as a part-time officer from 90 to 96. So he's got the years wrong. And the Washtenaw County Sheriff says, man, we, we have no record of his employment. Everything about this guy has, has just red flags going up. And another former colleague said, well, he actually was a patrol officer in 98 to 2000 in Kego Harbor. Well, I guess he forgot to mention that in his interview. I don't know. And at the time, he was an IT manager for Kelly Services, a staffing company. And then he was in global security. I'm not sure where the skill set was obtained for all of that. But in 94, he went into the Marine Corps Reserves. Um, he was a staff sergeant. And he was an administrative clerk with a Marine Air Group, Air Control Group. He was charged and court-martialed. And during that court-martial, he was convicted in January of 08 on multiple counts, quote, related to larceny. And he was sentenced to 60 days restriction, a reduction to a pay grade of E4, and a bad conduct discharge. That's not That's the worst part right there. You can take most of the money away from the bad conduct discharge. That follows you. Case in point is I'm sitting here in front of a microphone talking about it right now because it means something. The charges against him were he tried to steal $10,000 and um, using false social security numbers to create false account governments into a computer system. And they caught him. He was grading his own examinations, probably trying to get promoted. And what, what not. So uh, somewhere along the line, when he was arrested, he was a director of global security and investigations for a company called Borg Warner, an international automotive parts manufacturer from Michigan. And he had been in Russia before. Interesting. Interestingly, um, from back, dating back to 2006. And he was on social, uh, you know, a Russian language, social media websites and whatnot. He had some friends over there. He, he also apparently was, um, a little deceptive when they were asking him about his education, educational background. He said he holds a bachelor degree in criminal justice and an MBA. He falsely claimed a, a BA from University of Michigan in his profile on his social media site. 
Uh, but he went to some other college, Northern Michigan University and he, for a few years never got a degree there. So he, he's full of a lot of bullshit and I don't know why, whether he's a wannabe or whether he is working for an intelligence group and he got caught. Um, we don't really know, but the arrest in Russia was kind of interesting. And again, you know, we're going from Brittany Griner, a basketball player over there just playing hoops in the off season to this is the trade bait that's offered up with her. So in December of 18, he gets arrested in Moscow by the FSB. And the FSB is the Federal Security Service. They are the, the new KGB. This is the Russian security. And they confirmed that they arrested him. He was apparently going over there to attend somebody's wedding, a guy he was in the Marine Corps with. And he was supposed to be at the Hotel Metropole in Moscow. One of the things he was going to do is he was going to help the, his buddy's family on the visit to Russia, go see the sites, do some things. He'd been there before uh, and he was going to come back early January. Now, Russian news outlets, now you got to take them all with a grain of salt, but (laughs) not like ours are any better. He apparently had $80,000 in cash, quote, temporarily confiscated from him while going through a customs inspection at an airport in Russia, the Domodedovo airport. He had acted as a local guide for the wedding guests, but decided to spend the day of the wedding with another friend instead at the last minute. That's weird. I'm going to fly all the way to Russia to go to a wedding, help my buddy's family out. And then the day of the wedding, I'm going to punch out and not go there. Was apprehended in his hotel room, actually, at that hotel, the Metropole. And he was arrested with a Russian citizen who allegedly handed him a USB drive. And on that USB drive, there was apparently a list of the employees at a classified security agency. Now, if any of that's true, this is what we would call spy shit, right? Different news organizations, everywhere from a Latvian-based publication to the BBC to the New York Times, um, they are all reporting on this. BBC cited family members of Whalen who said he previously bragged about knowing an agent of the FSB and was actually privy to an unusual cash of personal details about his friend, including what intelligence agency he worked for. And um, he said about the arrest, his longtime friend had just suddenly appeared at the hotel, followed by authorities who arrested him. Just, just appeared. And lawyers said they couldn't provide the name of the Russian longtime friend. You know, that was the lawyer said. But apparently Whalen's family said it was Ilya Yatsenko. And the Russian newspaper identified him as a major in the FSB's Department K, which monitors Russian economic crimes. He's now in a um, uh, a prison over there, serving 16 years for espionage. The CIA disavowed any knowledge. You know, they said, well, we, we would never recruit anybody with that kind of military background, nor would we ever give anybody, uh, put him over there exposed without a diplomatic passport. Probably true, right? Unless you are what is called on the knock list, a non-official cover, you are then cut off. You get caught, your balls, you're on your own. I don't know that he was, but if he's got 80 G in his pocket going in, he gets caught with a Russian asset and a USB containing classified information. If any of that's true, you know, it's, uh, it's not good. So now they start talking about him being traded back to, um, the States with, with her, the, the pot gets sweetened. You know, the U S says, no, we want him. Why would the U S want him? 
Why? If he's just an asshole over there doing this on his own, why would we want him? If he's working for them, well, then, you know, that's a, that's kind of a big deal too. And, uh, it's, it's an interesting, we're going to talk about the other guy, the other gentleman that they want, the main trade bait that Russia really wants back. Victor Anatolyevich Bout. He is an interesting guy. He is a, he's basically a Russian arms dealer. That's what he is. He's a former Soviet military officer. Um, and afterwards, after he got out of the military, he, he owned a fleet of airplanes and he had multiple air transport companies and he used them to basically smuggle weapons all around the world. And he got caught and the U.S. wanted him. And um, the interesting thing about him, though, is when it happened in the 90s and the early 2000s. When I say early 2000s, up to in about 2006. And you remember where the United States military was during that time. We were in the Middle East, up to our neck in Fallujah and everything else. So in March, uh, in March of 2008, he was arrested in Thailand on terrorism charges by the Royal Thai Police. And that came at a request from the American authorities and Interpol. They wanted to extradite him back to the United States under the Extradition Act with Thailand. And that was granted. It was mandated by a Thai high court. And in 2010, he was brought here. He was accused of intending to smuggle arms into a bunch of revolutionaries in Colombia, South America, for use against U.S. forces. He denies it. He says it's all bullshit. Um, but they got this guy. This guy's history is really well documented by the intelligence communities. He's, he's uh, you know, in 11, he was convicted by a jury in Manhattan, New York, in federal court of conspiracy to kill U.S. citizens, U.S. officials, and the delivery of anti-aircraft missiles and providing aid to terrorist organizations. He was sentenced to 25 years. Okay. He is in a few in United States federal penitentiary. Now, this guy's the real deal. Okay. Victor Bout is the bad, is a bad man. His nickname is the merchant of death. And there's reasons why. <laughs> Remember where we started, Brittany Griner with her little dope pen. And now we're, we're, to, we're, we're about to free the merchant of death. This is why you behave folks when you go to these other countries, because we have things they want and they're going to use you to get them. This guy, Victor Bout, um, you know, they say his birthday might be what is uh, now Tajikistan. It used to be the Tajik uh, section of the Soviet Union. Um, some born somewhere around 67. Was in the graduated from the Military Institute of Foreign Languages in the Soviet Armed Forces. Again, this is not the Russian. This is the Soviet Armed Forces before they, before they imploded. Uh, he was a translator and went in as the rank of lieutenant. But some of the intelligence information they have on him is he, when he got out, he may have been at the rank of lieutenant colonel. And some of the things, and he started their air freight business. Some of the sources say he was a major in the GRU, which is their military intelligence, an officer with the Soviet Air Force. He graduated from a Soviet military intelligence training program and maybe even an operator with the KGB. She's, uh, do we trade her for him? She's going to do nine years and get released. Do we, do we trade her for him? What's, what's the downside of releasing this guy? Is he going to go back to killing? Have we not learned anything from the scumbags that we let out of Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay, who went right back to the battlefield and started killing American soldiers again? It just is what it is. 
So Victor had this, uh, this, this company with all these planes and he did a lot of things. I'm not going to go into his whole background because it's actually, we'd be here for hours and I, you'd get confused because he was so, he had such an intricate web from Liberia to Angola to different places in Africa, Eastern European countries, um, United Arab Emirates he was in, uh, you name it. He was all over. Now, he was also the owner of the carrier of the airline transport when over 200,000 AK-47 rifles went missing in a transit from Bosnia to Iraq. And after the invasion in Afghanistan, he appeared in Moscow and um, he was talking about how his, his airlines make uh, regular frequent flights to Afghanistan. But he says, well, you know, but we, we go in there, but we don't really deal with Al-Qaeda or Taliban. Well, there was basically three people that you were dealing with, folks. You're dealing with either Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, or the United States military. So you're dealing with somebody and he wasn't working for us. So he was basically running ammo, guns, and everything else to our enemies in Afghanistan. And I want you to, for a minute, think about how many United States military personnel were shot and wounded or shot and killed. Maybe with one of those 200,000 AK-47s that went missing. He had met earlier on with Hezbollah in Lebanon. He, in his past, had dealings with Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, he's been in and out of Libya. This is a bad, bad man. And we have to... Consider that, you know, this guy's been around the world living in Belgium, Lebanon, Rwanda, Russia, South Africa, Syria, the UAE. He knows how to move. He knows how to conduct business on an international illegal level. And he was finally here, uh, uh, tried and convicted on conspiracy to provide material support of resources to a designated foreign terrorist organization. And he was arrested by the DEA for their, in, in doing what they're doing down there. Um, you know, when they word it, they, they sometimes they'll, they'll downplay it. But listen to this. He was arrested in Bangkok, Thailand, and the U.S. Department of Justice charged him. Conspiracy to provide material support, support or resource to a designated foreign terrorist organization, one. Conspiring to kill Americans, two. Conspiring to kill American officers or employees, three. And conspiring to acquire and use an anti-aircraft missile. Additional charges against him were filed in February of 2010, and they included illegal purchase of aircraft, wire fraud, and money laundering. This guy is like the Russian version of Jason Bourne. Um, they want him back. The Russians want him back. Now, sometimes the Russians want these people back because they want to deal with with them themselves. They want to find out what's been told, what they what they broke down. They might even want to kill them. So how do the Russians work? Well, I'm not an expert on Russian intelligence, but there are a couple things that are pretty telling about the Russian government. So with the fall of the Soviet empire, right? It's kind of, they're, they're actually very smart. They, they set up a constitution, right? Russia by constitution. They are a federal republic. Who are they? Who do they start to sound like on paper anyways? But they have a kind of a semi-presidential system, right? We have a president who is actual head of state and a prime minister, which is the head of the government. Most people sit there and go, what the fuck does that mean? Okay. Well, how are you the head of state, but you don't have the head of the government? But they structure it as kind of like a multi-party thing. 
and they call it a representative democracy, which is almost laughable. And they have three branches of the government in Russia, in the Russian Federation, the legislative, the executive, and the judiciary. Sound familiar? It's a little different though. So the legislative is made up of 450 members of a state Duma and the 170 member Federation Council. They're the ones that put in federal law, declares war, approves treaties, and they have the money. They control the money. They go and also impeach a president. Yeah, good luck with that. Now you have your executive branch over there. The president is the commander in chief of the armed forces, appoints the government of Russia. That's like, um, just listen to that line. He appoints the government of Russia. This is where it sounds similar to ours, but it's very different. They appoint. The people have no votes here. They have voting, but they don't mean shit. It's just, you know, it's like a, it's like a scam. He also administers and enforces federal laws and policies. He may issue decrees of unlimited scope, so long as they don't contradict with the Constitution or federal law. And then they have the judiciary, constitutional courts, Supreme Court, and lower courts. This is the best. They're appointed by the Federation Council on the recommendation of the president. So in the underlying tone here is the president runs everything. And history has shown that if you don't abide by what they say, you die. They're not shy about killing people. Now, when Russia assassinates somebody, the times that we hear about it are only if it's somebody very big and prominent or maybe a, um, a political rival to Vladimir Putin in Russia, like that one guy that was killed on the sidewalk, the other guy that was recently poisoned, right? You don't hear about the other ones that die. And I'm no expert, but I got to believe there's other people getting schwacked over there that, that we don't hear about. But if you go on an international level, let's just go back to oh, 2014-ish. Everybody they've killed has been an Uzbek Chechen, some Islamic clerics, Chechen commanders, Chechen fighters, um, a, a, you know, other government military people. And, um, but they do it all over. So they've done, you know, they killed, um, the, the one I talked about before the, the, the assassin who, who did the assassination in Germany, he, he killed a guy, uh, Zemlikan Kangoshvili. I probably fucked that name up, but he was a military commander of the Chechen Republic, right? Uh, and a Western intelligence agent. And back in 19, he was shot twice in the head with a Glock 26 with a suppressor on it by this Russian assassin. And he did it in Germany. And he was a, and, and, you know, he was, the killer is a, uh, this guy uh, is a, a military intelligence asset. And he got caught by the Germans. And he's serving time. The other ones were in Kiev, right? Down in Ukraine. A bunch of them in Ukraine. Mariupol. And I'm talking about before the invasion. They were whacking people in Ukraine long before this. Placing explosives under cars. That was a big one. Shot in the head, stabbed in the neck. They do a lot of that. A lot of it's up close and personal. And when they're in those countries, they don't give two shits what anybody thinks. So they're not shy about killing you. If they feel, you know, you're a problem, you got to get you're in the way. So when we go back to Brittany Griner and you look on the news, 
And they talk about her NBA career or WNBA career and her basketball and how it was a wrongful arrest and everything else. Just try to understand it, man. There, there's a there's a lot more behind what Russia does. They snatched her. She fucked up. Don't get me wrong. She had it. And they caught her. And she admitted it. She even before she actually pled to the charge, she admitted, you know, look, it was a mistake. So there was there was no there was no denying it. She wasn't being disrespectful in the sense that she said, no, this is bullshit fabricated. She's there. But she's just a piece. She's like a shilling. She's a coin. They're going to, she's currency now. We want her back. There's Americans that want her back. Um, a lot of, you know, the liberal community in the country here, you know, because of her affiliations with different groups and different things are screaming and making a lot of noise. Well, that noise helps the Russians. You get it? The Russians love that. They love it when the American gay community comes out and screams about it because she's an LGBTQ supporter. They love it when the basketball community comes out and screams because she's a basketball star. They love that when the women's groups comes out and, and the BLM people come out and everybody comes out. All you're doing is raising the cost of her return. So shut up. Let whoever does this cut the deal because nothing you're going to say is going to help. Understand that Paul Whelan, he's probably working for somebody. I'm not sure who. I'm not going to speculate. You can all make the speculation yourself. But, you know, some of the things that he's got in his his little bag of tricks, they're going to hurt him. But we want him back for a reason. I don't know what it is. I can assume I know what it is, but they want him back. And then in the end of it, think about what we're willing to give up. Murderers. Mass murderers, mass murderers, terrorists. Ma uh, the, Victor Bout is a, he's like a weapon of mass destruction himself. So when you hear about it, put it all in perspective because CNN, MSNBC, they're not going to give you all of this. They're not going to break down all these people and give you an hour. We're, we're working on an hour here talking about this and saying, hey, man, you need to know about this story. Because when everybody comes out and says, you know, Brittany Griner, Brittany Griner, she's not a fucking hero, folks. Okay. You know, people that strapped on body armor and went down range overseas, they're heroes. People that ride a fire truck to your house that's fully engulfed, they're heroes. People that whip out the defibrillator, fix it to your chest and try to get your heart started again. They're heroes. The nurses that meet you inside the door of an ER when you're in a time of need or riding on an ambulance. These people are heroes. Stop thinking that athletes are heroes. They're fucking entertainers. And thank God for them because we need entertainment. But don't get clouded. Movie stars, rock stars, musicians, they're not heroes. They're not even freaking close. All right. We have heroes in this country, real ones. Start paying attention to who they are and stop losing your mind about all this nonsensical bullshit that the media feeds you every single day. Wake up. The world's going on around you. Half you're being played and half you sound like idiots when you speak on social media. So that is the story of Brittany Griner. I hope she does come home. She is an American and I do from, from the standpoint of just simply her being an American, I hope she comes home. But I hope you listen in 
got something out of it. I hope you say, holy shit, I didn't know some of that stuff. Well, it, it is what it is. And um, we will be back uh, actually pretty soon. We're going to do another one real quick and uh, we'll, we'll dive into another topic. I think that you'll find in a current event type thing and, and give you a good breakdown of the, of the criminal side of things and, and you know, kind of get you that view, like we say, under the yellow tape. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Hope you're all well and we will talk soon.